I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Philistines who demanded strict disobedience to the Jewish law. I was zealous. Uh, I was so zealous that I was harshly persecuted in the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So Paul has quite a boundary. Um, he has all the things that are to All the things we admire or would be admired in Jewish circles. Uh, you know, and that's uh, just lack of birthright. He was born a Jew. You can't choose that. So he, he was born lucky. He was born in all the right circles. He just happened to be born in a good Jewish family, the right lineage. And he has uh, his own behavior. As for righteousness, I obey the law without fault. But Paul added to his own good family upbringing uh, by living a good life. Let me take care of that. Swing around. I got a flannel. A flannel. Um, uh, the right thing, he took righteousness very seriously. He concluded with, I once thought these things were valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I thought we could have summed up this entire passage last week with this passage. It just, he says it all. Paul doesn't even count all the godly living that he's done. Uh, that sin management has had any value because he's changed his mind. Maybe his heart is a better way to say it. Change his heart. Not only he's repented about how righteousness happens. It doesn't happen the way he always thought it did. Now, for us, the fact that he probably reads different, right? Maybe it's come from a long line of Christians, a good Christian family. I grew up in a good Christian home. I went to Christian school, or if I didn't, I went to youth group and church all the time. Went to summer camps, persecuted all those atheists and agnostics. You know, when it comes to righteousness, never watched R-rated movies, never read Harry Potter. Never use any of the spicy words and only listen to Caleb. Right? That's I always make fun of Caleb. I think I know it's not right thing, Caleb, but Father, Son, Spirit, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I don't think those things are valuable. Not anymore. Now those things those things are bad, obviously. Those things are good things. Uh, most of them are really good in my opinion. Except Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. I guess they'll judge it. Um, but it's nothing to do with our relationship with God in terms of, of earning any favor from God. If God wants us to do them, it's because they're good for us to do them. Not because He expects us to do them if we have any hope of getting into heaven across the that. Our pitiful effort can add nothing to it. Well, that's why this last passage we're going to be reading from that same chapter of Philippians where Paul just said that. So we're going to be starting in verse 15. This is what the wife's going to give us. This year, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, time in your lives after mine, and learn from those who follow our example. Now, I've told you before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Their are for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about the life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven. We are the Lord Jesus. We're the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under control. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and I'll always be dear friends, for you are my joy and crown, uh, and the crown I seek receive from my work. This is the word of the Lord. Um, I think I this power. This contains one of the like cringiest uh, verses in the New Testament for me, uh, where Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Um, and learn from his father, kind of, I would like to know what level of like discipleship you have to reach before you are confident making that statement. Like, if you want to know how to be a good Christian, just do what I do. Like, how do you do that? Like, I don't know how Paul ever comes to the point where he's ready to make that statement. If you want to know how to know, I'm a good example. Pattern your life after mine. That's, I don't think I will ever reach that point. Um, I mean, I have to, on a fairly regular basis, remind people from up here that I am a hypocrite. Like, that's, it's part of the job. Like, if I were to only preach on the things that I'm good at, we would run out of sermons in about three weeks. Like, I have to, there's a lot of great stuff in the scripture, and a lot of it I'm not so good at, that if I don't, you know, teach it and preach it, we don't talk about it. Then it, uh, 
the people who led with Jesus didn't make it to every church to tell their story. So that was uh, the story that you might be told and retold and things, but there's nothing wrong with the period that we have in the other scripture that we have. And so when we tend to, when we go to scripture, you know, starting in the New Testament, we read about Jesus' birth, his miraculous, game-changing life, his sacrificial death, of course, his triumphant resurrection, and then uh, we read or study the, the, the letters as kind of commentary on those things. Like the Peter, Paul, and John, James, Jr., and whoever else might be on the other tell us what to do with that story. So we read the story of Jesus, and they come along and go, here's what that means, and here's how that changes things, and here's what you do with it. So we have a tendency to go to Jesus first, commentary, second, but obviously the majority of church history, uh, for one reason or another, hasn't really done that the way we tend to. We have a tendency to, uh, to learn the letters first, or the doctrines first, or the, the rules first, the, the things you're supposed to believe first, and then we read the Gospels as this kind of fun story full of anecdotal teachings and a few memorable lines and it's a good stuff about Jesus, but really the, the meat of what you're supposed to believe is in the letters. Like that's the gravity. That's what you really do. Plain doctrinal talk. No confusing parables. Just tells you what to believe and you believe it. That's that's easy. Uh, except for the first church, each church may not even have all of the letters. This is where it gets really tough. You have one, maybe two letters. You have one letter Paul talking while he's there. Some churches he was only out for a couple weeks. So how much could he have covered in a couple weeks? We don't really know. Then he would send back a letter, and that letter was kind of small and specific. Uh, and, and so, you know, maybe some of the other apostles would come through and tell their story. You know, but you have little bits and pieces. But right now it's different. You know, because we all change pick our favorite verses, right? If, if you're in church for long, you'll hear the same ten verses a million times, and then every once in a while you'll bump into something like, I had no idea that was in the Bible, you know, because we chose it, you know, we do, if my people who are called by my name, how many of you have ever, you know, heard that a million times, well, that was for me in my house, people said, right, everybody knows that we, we have those, those three four verses we go back to over and over and over again, well, God still loves the world, after that, that was so common, when I typed that into Google, I typed for God, and the Google predictor put the rest in for me. Like, that's how well-known that verse is. Even Google memorized that one. But my grace is insane through faith. Like, we have these verses we always talk about, too, again and again. But what would it look like if you only had one letter? Like, what verses would you try to pick if you only have this one letter from Paul and Benny to, and not a general access to the Old Testament, unless you just happen to have a Jewish Christian in your church who could quote big chunks of it. You really have very little access to the Old Testament. We have to about this. How much different was church from Ephesus, where Timothy was the pastor? Acts. When that was from the letter to Timothy, this is just what he said. Everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. That's, so that's the picture of Paul you get if you're in Ephesus. And how different is that from Philippi when you get to know you're coming your lives after me? Coming your lives after me? And don't you tell me about a very different understanding of how things work? Because they don't have the whole scripture yet. I'm the worst of them all. How do you like that thing? Which one is it? Oh, honestly, it's going to be frustrating to make sense out of that potential contradiction. It's going to be the entire scripture. So we can find more to balance that out and understand. But the only scripture, which is why I think this morning's class is, is so important. What do we do when there's mixed messages about how we should live our lives? And the Old Testament is full of 600 plus commands for living, and, and those came in the entire Old Testament, not to mention libraries full of public commentary on how that actually works and how you apply it to your life and, and how you actually live out those 600 commands. So, Paul, uh, and, and you only have, if, if, if you're Paul, you only have a short letter to tell people something, you only have so much time, so long of a scroll or whatever. To, to send them a message, limited time and, and capacity to tell people how to live a Christian life, to tell people how to follow Jesus. I'm sure you're starting to track with me a little bit here. What do you do? You say, emos. Emos. That's the Greek word for imitate. Mimic. Where we got our word mimic. Mimic me. I'm going to tell you how to do everything. Follow me. 
Someone's outside of the white on the transition from Perdomo to Kilmer Gallery the Gallery of So, as that's exciting, our kids are And beyond, I'm trouble and grown up and detached to pretend like it's only the kids that do that. Like only the kids imitate, but we know that's not true, we do it too. I don't know how many people are not being found noticing there's not talking like that. Or, you know, picking up dumb phrases or, you know, better ways of speaking and interviewing the same thing. We are imitating creatures. But we're trying to come to us because we're not creating something like that image of God image and imitator from the same root word throughout the time of Jesus. And often to repay taxes, as you discussed, uh, turning point, those images on it. And you notice that we'll change our identity, I'll render under Caesar what is Caesar, we'll render under God what is God, what's in it, and what's in there is what's, uh, when he calls values, what is bearing that, or what images it bearing. Things like that give to Caesar what is, bears his image, money, they give to God what bears his image, people. Kind of fascinating little thing on our image, that's the way we're trying to knock around. But our image bearers were imitators, it's what we do. And it is great because the Bible is complicated. It's a book written over several different cultures over time. Um, it's been written from uh, over 1,500 years by 40 plus authors describing the nature of God, or at least as much as he shows it, to reveal to us that it's stories and teachings and poetry that people who did their best to walk with him, and they wrote down what they could, and people have spent lifetimes studying this book only to realize how much they don't know. I've personally been studying pretty briefly for about 30 years, and I know way less than I did when I was studying 30 years. When I was studying 30 years, I knew it all. I knew everything. It's a complicated book. We don't have several lifetimes to spend studying it before we begin to learn the way that book recommends. So what do we do? Be imitate. Be imitate. We follow. The Pentecost and the Fathers in this chapter do just that. They're causing you to attention because Paul always does. And then the first spectrum is probably the better word. So this would be perspective. This would be tension. I mean, okay, you got me. Just one of the other things that tension you do this. I guess I'm, that's my sign of this. Right now, it's a spectrum. You know, when someone passes with a type of person, then you have someone who does not want us to imitate. He says, back off of those battles with people who do evil. Those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God uh, are the ones who are, are truly circumcised. We don't know what Christ has done, but no confidence in human effort. So, specifically, the Bible says these were Jewish Christians, they called Judaizers, and they were not following Paul, saying, and it's awesome that you believe in Jesus now. Jesus was a Jew. If you want to be a good Christian, you have to convert to Judaism. And follow all the Jewish laws because that's what being a Jew means. And Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And so you have to kind of be a Jew to follow the Jewish Messiah. And no matter what, it starts with a little searching. And no one was talking about that. No one was excited about that. And so, I'm not sure if you were, which I'm always like, thanks for you. Um, but, uh, you know, so they were bad. And Paul was like, don't have it. It's not about. Following all those rules, so even the people who feel like us have been, it is dependent on some form of behavior. From the level of obedience, these are the deeply religious people, and Paul says, do not imitate them. You know, he's trying to look out for them, be cautious. That's what he says, is to watch out for them. This is where imitation gets tricky because Paul was, was never divisive. He, he preached unity in the church more strongly than maybe anyone else except Jesus. If I were to ask you to know that we imitate who we hang out with, the people we spend a lot of time with, we start acting like them, and so Paul's like, hey, look out for these people. Because if you hang with them, you'll start to imitate them. That's not the way the gospel works. It's not about following all these rules. You know, we don't have to really just stop right there, right? Just avoid super religious people. Amen. Right? That's great. Love that. Guys, you get more behind that. And, uh, and, and, and convince her to make me uncomfortable anyway. I can't really measure up to that. A bunch of people who are kind of dodged off that, like a locked and loaded for every conversation. You know, those are people um, you don't want to come with. Remember, this is a spectrum. 